0: The CCA, episode 10, with Traver Bohm, Desiderata. Go placidly amid the noise and haste, and remember what peace there may be in silence. As far as possible, without surrender, be on good terms with all persons. Speak your truth quietly and clearly, and listen to others, even the dull and the ignorant. They too have their story. Avoid loud and aggressive persons. They are vexations to the spirit. If you compare yourself with others, you may become vain and bitter, for always there will be greater and lesser persons than yourself. Enjoy your achievements as well as your plans. Keep interested in your own career, however humble. It is a real possession in the changing fortunes of time. Exercise caution in your business affairs, for the world is full of trickery. But let this not blind you to what virtue there is. Many persons strived for high ideals, and everywhere life is full of heroism. Be yourself, especially. Do not feign affection. Neither be cynical about love, for in that face all aridity and disenchantment, it is the perennial as the grass. Take kindly the counsel of the years, gracefully surrendering the things of youth. Nurture strength of spirit to shield you in sudden misfortune, but do not distress yourself with dark imaginings many fears are born of fatigue and loneliness beyond a wholesome discipline be gentle with yourself you are a child of the universe no less than the trees and the stars you have a right to be here and whether or not it is clear to you no doubt the universe is unfolding as it should therefore be at peace with god whatever you conceive him to be and whatever your labors and aspirations in the noisy confusion of life keep peace within your soul With all its sham, drudgery, and broken dreams, it is still a beautiful world. Be cheerful, strive to be happy. This is The Way, a show about grit, character, life philosophy, fitness, leadership, service, and what it means to choose strength. My name is Scott McGee. I'm a family man, friend, thinker, and a peaceful warrior with an open mind and unconquerable soul. So that poem in the beginning, Desiderata, D-E-S-I-D-E-R-A-T-A Was written in the 1920s by Max Ehrman And is a lesson in life And it's a very hopeful and balanced poem So I recommend you guys go check and uh, Go Google Desiderata if you want to read I'll also have it in the show notes Speaking of balance, my very special guest Someone my soul looks at as if I If we were the same, Mm. but Possible on parallel universes or or different timelines. Someone I admire, yet see potential coming. Thank you. Someone who dances in the balance of the cosmos and someone who skillfully uses pain as rocket fuel for growth Mm. because he chooses to. It is with deep humility and graciousness that I welcome Draver Bohm to the CCUA.
1: Thank you. Thank you for having me.
0: So, in a way, you are about three years old. You know, you were living in an existence, you know, Precisely. sleeping in a way until that self was killed. Yeah. Complete and, rebirth. And by losing things that were not yours. Yeah. And that, things that we're, we're talking about, your wife, uh, unborn child, your business, your family, your home. Yeah. So who were you?
1: It's <sighs> a hell of a question. Um, I was... I was a CrossFit coach. I guess I'm answering that by what I did. But I was unfigured out. I was unexpressed. Right? I was someone who was sort of bouncing from idea to idea and not really on a path. Uh, I was chasing freedom and adventure and coupling it with service. And Inside those parameters, if I was inside those parameters, I felt like I was on the right path. But something was deeply missing. A lot of things were deeply missing. And so, as you said, um, I was half-born, right? I was half-expressed. And it wasn't until I got smacked with like the universal two-by-four that I woke up. It's
0: kind of like this, and the way I'm kind of going to go over, I'm framing where, where, at least in theory, the path of what we're going to do in the story Mm -hmm. is kind of the the OODA loop, you know, observe, orient, decide, act, Mm -hmm. right? So, and I'm starting off with, you know, your beautiful death, if I can put it that way. Mm. Go for it. And... So, you were this person. And it's a weird, it's a simple question, but it's really, really difficult to answer. Like, who were you? Right. And of course, you come up, and and I'm glad you said I'm a CrossFit coach. Right. You know, nothing against CrossFit, but that is something like that. I don't know if if it's a cultural thing or some way that that we are raised. And I don't think it's necessarily just American boys or men. Maybe Mm -hmm. it's it's the way our culture is, the TV and the school. You're taught to go through school, find a girl, get married, get a job, buy a house. Mm-hmm. It, that is what you're supposed to do. But at no point in that path is it like discover who you are, mm-hmm. find what makes you happy, mm-hmm. and live a, a, a happy life. This is right. your shot. Right. So there's like this weird that's not necessarily in our culture. Mm-mm. And it takes something very bad and painful for some people to wake up.
1: Yeah, it's almost the replacement for an initiation ritual yep. that we don't technically have, as, especially as men. Like I felt like, I, who was I before? I was a very strong boy who had ideas, who had talents, who had gifts to give to the world, but who also had a massive amount of uh, shadows and challenges and lack of skill and lack of maturity.
0: I think there's also a large component of, and this is probably what it all stems, comes down to. And that is your relationship with yourself.
1: Yeah, and consciousness.
0: Yeah, but not only that, like and and other big words I'm going to throw out there throughout this whole episode, but knowing yourself. Mm -hmm. I talked about that and that's what that is above my door here. Mm -hmm. Know thyself.
2: Mm.
0: And that's like a such a big component of what it means means to be a man, but not only what it means to be a man, but what it means to be able to fulfill yourself as a human. Mm -hmm. And if you don't know yourself, if you don't know what your passion is, you can't necessarily be the best husband. Mm -hmm. So in a way, you were traveling through your prior life, if I can say, Mm -hmm. and you might not have known yourself like you know yourself now, and so you might not have been the best husband to your wife, which Mm -hmm. kind of, so in a way you kind of killed yourself.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I was on an unsustainable path, right? The route I was on was unsustainable. And it would have either ended a different way or ended in the way that it did.
0: So, and this is not a point I, w- I want to like keep hammering away. Because mm-hmm. I want to encourage the listeners also after this is to go listen to. You have a ton of great podcast episodes out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have your TED Talk. So I don't want to regurgitate too much information. Sure. And I don't also want to like aggregate all the listeners to like, this is the end all be all podcast episodes of your life.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: Another big reason, because you have so much content that I couldn't squeeze it. It, We couldn't get it here. Mm -hmm. We would need like years to get all the lessons out of you. So I'm not going to say pick one particular moment, but early on, you get this information, life is, you know, it has ceased to end or ceased to exist. Mm -hmm. And you're trying to like, you're swimming around trying not to drown. Can you name a couple moments, precise moments, that helped you kind of wake up?
1: Yeah. You know, there were, I I don't want to make it sound fluffy, Scott, but there were like intuits or intuitive bursts Right And early, early on, uh, I remember sitting on my couch. This was maybe like even an hour after my, uh, I knew my marriage was done that I just had this voice that said, hang on. And I was like, hang on to what? Or hang on for what? And that was it. It was just hang on. Hold on. You're about to go on a ride. This is, this is part of the deal. On some level, it was, as we talked about, this massive duality. Of extraordinary pain extraordinary upheaval and turmoil and this incredible sense of calm this thank God oh fuck thank God this happened Uh, and those two doing battle and I do remember sitting on the couch in my old house and feeling both and having this sense of calm wash over me that felt almost dissociative so it was like, how can I be calm when all this is going on? Where I just haven't felt the feelings, but I had felt the feelings. You know, I was a wreck, but yet somehow, like information was coming in that I couldn't process in my head. It wasn't like reading a book and be like, oh, okay, this is what's going on. It was very guttural, a gut level. At that time, were you were you heavily into meditation? I had a meditation meditation practice and a long history with it, but I'd gotten away from it. Uh, I went back to it immediately. It was this, again, like my life got reorganized in a day. Like, okay, now it's a matter of survival. So meditation, boom, all over it. Journaling again, all over it. Get back in the ocean, start surfing again, all over it. Train differently. New humans came into my life in a day, like radically. You know, it was like, just again, the only word to use is a reorientation. But, yeah, I was meditating at that point at least an hour a day.
0: Wow. Good for you. Yeah. By I the way, I had side note, then. I'm going to keep telling you for those because it's kind of the answer to some questions I'm going to ask in uh, coming up here. But if you don't or you haven't been in a while, start meditating again. Yeah. Everyone needs it. Everyone. Like I would say, I mean, I talked, I don't want to say especially like law enforcement officers, but because – Everyone needs it. And I, I, I haven't been able to find like another word, you know, like to necessarily get the message across. That's not the word meditation. Because mm-hmm. sometimes that word people have their preconceived ideas of what right, that is. And so they, they initially don't have a, a positive reaction to that, the sound of those syllables.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So maybe go sit down and be quiet. Do that. <laughs> you know, slow yeah. down. Sit down and be with yourself. Yeah. Uh, So one, I find you fascinating. Thank you. And in my studies of you and reading your blogs, which by the way, you are a fantastic writer. Thank you. And your ability to articulate things from memory in the story you tell is very impressive. Thank you. And I think that ability to write is you know, if someone, if I told, like, if, if someone came and asked me, like, hey, should I read or write? I automatically tell them write. Reading's easy. Mm-hmm. Writing is where you really get to know yourself.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Reading, you're just listening to somebody else talk to you, mm-hmm. which is great. Fantastic. You need the perspective. But writing is where it's at. Uh, and I was reading about your experience in the wilderness mm-hmm. in Utah. Mm-hmm. And one of the moments that stood out to me and made me start welling up my eyes just sitting there reading it was your your walk back to at the end of the camp with the moon over your head yeah can you tell us about that experience
1: sure so i had spent i just got chills uh i had spent a month in the wilderness with boulder outdoor survival school and there were a number of challenges obviously of being in the woods for a month with very very limited equipment so a knife a water bottle a first aid kit a blanket and a poncho and if you do that for a month which is a long ass time with weight loss, I lost 26 pounds. With um, frost frostbite, just misery, right? Week after week and night after night, like not sleeping at night because I'm just sitting there shivering. Uh, at the end of this course, we all walk back out of the wilderness and into society per se, and meet this whole group of us—about 10 of us and three instructors. We meet the instructors because the last five days, I'll say, we were all on our own. Uh, the group of us they're like, "Hey, heres how you get out figure it out
0: yeah, let me let me sure. i want to clarify this the context is that after your your beautiful death uh you spent you called it a year to live
1: the year to live project right yeah. the
0: year to live project, and that is where you actually went out and <laughs> asserted yourself at life as if that was your last year to live mm-hmm. which is a an awesome context in and of itself. It's mm-hmm. kind of like my coin over here, Memento Mori. Remember mm-hmm. that you will mm-hmm. die. Yeah. And wh- how how knowing that you can leave anytime, how would that change how you live? Right. Um so within that year, this is 1 month of the year. Right. So just to give some context. Okay. okay. Yes. Yeah, so. Also and you, see, you you also brushed fascinating how you wrote everything and it's broken down I think into four parts. Yeah. So uh, I'll give links to people so they can read that stuff because I don't think the two of us talking now can give the writing justice. Yeah. But to give a, it was at the end of the month, mm-hmm. and at the end you said that we were on our own. So I just want to clarify the listener: they were completely solo. They were in a group, but the last five days you spent completely alone.
1: We did five solo days, so that's I was saying. completely you, alone. You were, That's what I'm saying. You for not five the group, days. not the group. Then the group was alone. So I did five days just myself. Yes, that's what I'm pointing out. No other humans around uh, for five days, and then the group got back together, and the group then had a you know 15 miles or so to travel without instructors. Right, and prior to that, you
0: thought you were done. Yeah,
1: we thought. (laughs) And so I was like, oh, by the way, you're not actually done. Yeah. So we get to this parking lot, you know, and it's just sand, and it's it's uh, or sorry, sand next to a parking lot. I'm trying to think of the scene or describe the scene. And imagine 12 feral people, right? There's there's a parking lot. There's campers. There's people with like barbecues going on. And we're, we haven't eaten. We have, we're all just a mess. We haven't showered. We're like we've killed animals. Like we, we've done stuff. And there's such a juxtaposition between us and them. Yeah. Okay, so them.
0: It, the way I read it is almost like you came across some civilized poodles and yeah. you guys are the stray animals that have been yeah. living on the streets yeah. The last month
1: it just looking at them, right, I think I talked about this on the walk to that parking lot. we passed our first people, so campers, hikers, not campers, hikers, someone are going on a day hike and we I looked at them and they were in like pressed white shirts and pressed white pants and these huge backpacks for the day, you know sunglasses like they'd shaved, and uh did they stink? no,
0: I'm saying stink like with. Clemens. Oh, no, I,
1: don't, I didn't get close enough to him because I actually looked at them and, and had this initial thought was uh, If I needed to I could kill them and eat them or kill them and take their food One of the two it was is yeah. that like instant and I was so effing hungry. I just didn't even want to look at them Someone walked right up to them and said do you have food and other people in the group were like we're not supposed to bother <laughs> <laughs> The hikers so don't do that so we walk out we get to this staging area The coaches come or the instructors, they rejoin us after not being there for five days. And we think we're done, right? We think we we finish the class, it's a month long. We're good. Let's eat. Let's get back to our, our, let's get on with life. And the guys say, okay, you actually have one more assignment. We are 15 miles from base camp, from where this whole adventure started. You guys will take your packs. We'll take anything except what you need for this walk. But you're going to walk back to the base camp, preferably spaced out and by yourself so that you're not just chatting in a group. And I want you to ask yourself or we want you to ask yourselves, how do you re-enter society? Because you've been sequestered. You've been sequestered and you've gone through a number of tests.
0: And it's also what kind of person do you want to be when you re-enter?
1: Who do you want to be as you come in? How do you want this experience that's, that you've lived through to change you? And what do you want to carry with you? And what do you want to leave here in the woods? And I was like, all right. And I'll, co- I'll color this by saying it is a, a f- brilliant full moon. And we're in the middle of the Utah desert. So it's, it's just magnificent. It's like walking through a Star Wars episode. And I took off. They're like, all right, we got good. We, they did feed us a little bit and said, get going. I walked out in front of the group because I wanted to get home. I wanted to get back. And I didn't want people talking to me. I had peace to make with myself. I didn't even know what. And was walking and walking and walking and walking and probably about two hours in, uh, looked up at the full moon and just stared at it. And stared at it and and felt like it was staring at me. And so I walked a bit further. And granted, there's some weird shit that's happened this year, right? I've, I've had some mystical experiences, for lack of a better term. And I haven't eaten much in a month. So I'm walking and walking and I literally feel like the moon's eyes on my back. And I turn and stare at it and ask like, what do you want from me? Like literally, what do you fucking want from me? Why are you staring at me? What else do you want from me? And it's been an entire year of trials and tribulations and two years of of losing everything I ever thought I wanted and had. And the moon said, and whatever, take that for what you want, uh, you've got to forgive. You've got to forgive your ex. You've got to forgive the, the way your business partnership fell apart. You've got to forgive anyone that you're still holding any grudge to. Anyone. Anyone, anyone, anyone. This is part of the rebirth. And if you do, your life will be everything you ever wanted it to be and more. If you don't, if you go 99.9% and hold on to 0.01, your life will go all the way back down to where it was in that state of unconsciousness before. And I, I was just stared at it. I was like, why is it A or B? Where's the A point B? And that was the answer. It was either you're all fucking in or you're, you're none in. What do you want? Like aggressive, you know? Mm-hmm.
2: Uh,
1: and I turned and I just said, you know, no, fuck you. And I kept walking and then turned back because I, I knew intuitively I was like, God damn it. The moon's right. I have to let all of this go. I have to. Because it's not about those people. It's not about those hurts. It's about me, and it's about how I choose to leave, live every single day, and it's how I choose to re-enter my life. And just started yelling, "I forgive you," to to anyone and everyone, to her, to, to anything, to my you know, to her attorney. Uh, to who I'm, that that was like the point zero one. <laughs> yeah, and just got it out, you know. And I'll tell you, Scott. I was so physically broken down from that month from, you know, like the soles of my shoes had ripped off. Like it's, it's, we did a ton of travel. And from that moment on, literally when I got done yelling, I forgive you as loud, I forgive you. I forgive you. It was as if the wind came and picked me up as if, you know what? I don't care what you call it, but like hands straightened my body out and I floated for the last five to seven miles back to camp, like skipping almost. You know, like w- literally felt like someone had picked me up and walked me back in.
0: Was it clear about your, your commitment to serving others then?
1: I knew earlier than that that uh, I had this sense that my life wouldn't have gotten ripped to shreds to be rebuilt in a way that was self-serving. And it just, for whatever reason, that's how I felt. I was like, I'm now dedicated to service. Do I have my own goals? Absolutely. Do I have stuff that I want to do as a human? Absolutely. But it was going to be fully dedicated to service.
0: That is kind of the other things I'm interested in, in you, Mm -hmm. but then you as a, uh, you know I don't think life coach is the right word, but in, in for the context of communication, let's just say that mm-hmm. um, Would you say you're driven by pain
1: or driven by love? Oh God that's a tough one. I would have to say both and not you know it's it's 50 50. You know, I know what, or even it's transitioned from pain to love, where there are times when I feel an overwhelming love for humanity, an overwhelming compassion for the people that I'm working with, even for the fact that they're so openly sharing their stories with me. It's like, who am I to hear that story? God bless you. Pain, think, pain was the catalyst that got me here, though. I think
0: maybe we should just clarify something here. In and- in a way, I, I purposefully put you in that position mm-hmm. to show that it's neither you can't pick either one, yeah, because you don't have one without the other. right. And so the balance of life, the yin and yang, the the light and dark, mm-hmm. the the violence, the peace, the the life, the death, all this stuff, even I mean the divorce mm-hmm. the life, the you know violence, meditation. And obviously one of my favorites, the vulnerability and the strength.
2: Mm.
0: And these are themes that come up a, a lot with a lot of your writings, your lectures, your mm-hmm. teachings, your lessons, mm-hmm. and learning to appreciate and use both for growth. Mm-hmm. And I've talked about if you Obviously, no matter what happens, if you focus, on the, if you focus only on the pain, you suffer. Mm. But if you focus on the lesson, you grow.
1: Yeah. What are you going to do with that pain? Yeah. It's a question people don't ask. What are you going to do with it? I asked 250 people last Saturday, if your pain could speak to you today, what would it say? And some of the answers I got bring me right back to like, okay, now I'm crying. Now I'm so touched that you actually wrote those words down and that whoever took that sentence and put it into my body and made it come out of my mouth, I'm so reverent to you as well, whatever force you are.
0: Yep. And that's another interesting, you know, topic of free will like in our lessons like sometimes i say things and i'm like did i say that or is it something i learned when i was like six and right. somebody else's i don't, I don't know either right. way it came out and did it help somebody sweet yeah and um something i don't i kind of want to bring it up. so we talk about like you know the dichotomy of life dichotomy of thought right. the, the 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 delicate balance and the, the beautiful balance of life mm-hmm. and you use the word uh, the juxtaposition right is mm-hmm. one that comes up a lot mm-hmm and learning to use both for growth because mm-hmm. it's up to you. You can choose.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and then choosing strength is another theme of the show. Like strength is a choice just like I have up here in my sword. Yeah. And there was a, a – a con- to put in context, back into the wilderness, and it's not just necessarily what gets you through difficulties mm-hmm. in the woods because mm-hmm. obviously being cold in the woods, mm-hmm. if you're sitting there shivering – thinking to yourself and the word that you use was comparing down Mm
2: -hmm.
0: is thinking, well, at least I'm not cold and wet. Right. And is always doing comparing down because then it puts you perspective on the position you have and then you can focus on something good about it. Right. And how important that is to translate comparing down to choosing strength into the daily life. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: So how do you get someone to do that? That
1: doesn't do it. How do you get them to compare down? Yes. I think you have to say it to them. Like, first of all, I'm not telling you this just to point out that there's other people that have it worse than you do. I'm telling you this so that you can actually put a, a stake in the ground from which you can find gratitude, from which you can find, okay, this could be worse. If I can be nothing, if I can be grateful for, for nothing but that, I will. This could be worse. And from that point, then they get to operate. But you've got to shake them. Yep. Right? And some people aren't ready to let go of whatever story. They believe so strongly in the story that says this is the worst. And so you have to find the crack in the opening of the story and have a forceful message to get it in there.
0: And obviously it's the way you deliver it. Mm -hmm. Because sometimes I, I have this perspective and, you know, system in my head of how I think of things Mm -hmm. and sometimes when I compare down it rubs people the wrong way Mm -hmm. as if I'm you know putting what they're going through and casting it aside Mm -hmm. saying it's not good enough or not so I think in a way like hey I'm just doing that to bring out gratitude Mm -hmm. and then uh, Tate Fletcher who I had um episode eight he 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 gave some great advice and I think he said it came from Eddie Bravo. It's like, number one rule in life is to always, always be in appreciation. Yeah. And gratitude. And
1: yeah. humility. Right.
0: If you, if you come from that position. Right. Everything is beautiful no matter what it is. Yeah. Up to you.
1: Up to you. Moment to moment game sometimes.
0: Of, now this is kind of going to be a trick question as sure. well. Sure. But put these three words in order of importance. Okay. Surrender, ownership, and forgiveness.
1: I think you did it in that order. Surrender, ownership, and then forgiveness. Surrender to what happened. Let it go. Be at peace with the fact that there's nothing you can do to go back and change it. Own your half of it. Or own, if you can, If something just came out of the blue and hit you, own the fact that from that moment on, you have a choice on how you move forward and forgive everyone involved, including yourself, because it just doesn't do any good to not. And you are the one that has to become free of the poison of anger and resentment.
0: Yeah, earlier you talked about even like the 0.1%. Yeah. And the, the I had this image of this like beautiful crystal prism of a glass filled with like the most Tasty, fresh Utah (laughs) snow—it just melted into my beautiful glass of water. (laughs) And then, if I put—if someone put one drop of oil in, yeah, and what that changes to that entire experience. Entire. And who does it affect? Me. You. It only affects me. It only affects you. Right. If you're walking around with that, that only affects you. And I've talked about like you're the one that carries the luggage. Right. You're the one that is walking around with that hate, or walking around with that. And so I'm pointing this like visual picture. Someone's walking around with this backpack full of just hate bricks. Right. I know it's different for each person, but is there ways for for a loved one to do something, to point that out to that person? And how do you talk to them or how do you convince them to surrender? Mm. Because the ability to surrender, somebody that has these, these the surrender, the ownership and forgiveness mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. is, I don't think old soul is the right word, but it's like a developed soul. Uh, uh, right, a mature. Mature. Yeah. You've, you've woken up a little bit. Right. But some people, that bag of hate bricks is mm. what they're good at. It's like their passion. Right. Like, I direct- want this. I, this is what I want.
1: Their identity.
0: Yep. And so how do, you, how, how do you create space for that person and make them see it and recognize it and then have the ability to
1: surrender? Well, the, the words you use to create space are monumental. So that, that may have blown by some people, but that's first and foremost. To yeah, just not getting the answer there yeah, a little bit soon there. Just to be with that person. And one, honor the fact in them that they have a right to be angry. They have a right to be resentful. They also now have the biggest word of all, the choice to not be. Because with the choice to continue to be angry and resentful come other after effects or other consequences. And they may have to choose daily. To forgive, they may have to choose repetitively. It's not just a
0: oh, yes. a light
1: switch, right?
0: Big time throughout your entire day. Mm-hmm. It's like every thought is like a challenge. It comes down to the dichotomy of thought. Like you did mm-hmm. choose, like you're feeding the dog of fear, dog of courage. Right. And the constant reminder of letting go, mm-hmm. surrendering. If something is outside of your control, you can choose to accept or resent it. Mm-hmm. I think certain. A certain task, a physical task for someone, if, if someone's interested, is again the practice of meditation. Mm-hmm. But if we went even further than that thought, is learning how to breathe.
2: Mm.
0: And then within that breath, if someone is very aware, because no one's thinking about the breath until right now, I'm right. saying be aware of how you're breathing. Right. But if you have something like a stress, so I um, see Greg Amundsen. CrossFit OG, mm-hmm. uh, he was telling a story. I believe he was with Mark Devine from the, uh, unbeatable mind, mm-hmm. um, yeah. from seal fit, right? Stuff. Uh, seal commander. Awesome. Fantastic guy. They were on top of a cargo net, uh, down at, in Coronado where the, you know, the seals do their basic training buds.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And he was talking about climbing up this cargo net and the cargo net is high. You look at it and it's like one of those things you look at it, and like, well, that's high but then you actually like climb up it and there's nothing around you. It's just logs that come out of the sand net and just climb. You go up there super high. And someone that has a fear of falling from heights, it's not necessarily the heights, it's actual
1: fall. Hitting the ground. Yeah.
0: But he was up there and completely like froze and became overwhelmed with like the fear of everything. And I'm using this because it's an acute lesson, but then he stopped and said, what are you actually, what's actually stopping you right now? It's a, really, it's the imagination. Yeah, It's what you are thinking, what you're choosing to think about. And so you had him stop and then focus on breathing and then with each deep breath in and exhale was like create space in, from that stimulus, mm. to create space from that stimulus and then to be able to choose your next thought in that space. And I think that might be a way to sort of like point things out to people.
1: That is the act of meditation. It is the act to create that space. Most of us are, are action-reaction, not, not a stimulus-space-chosen-reaction.
0: Yeah. And for the listeners that don't do it, and the listeners that do it, um, can you kind of just explain the process of meditation for, for a beginner?
1: The actual physical process? Yeah,
0: like let's say if you're going to explain to someone, like, hey, let's say I, I'm interested in meditation, what should I do?
1: Okay. You're going to find somewhere that's comfortable, be it a chair or a cushion, a, a pillow, somewhere where your spine is up straight, right? So you're not slumped. That's for, first and foremost. I think there's a string out of the top of your head pulling you up high. Basically, you want your muscle structure to support you. I'm sorry, your bone structure to support you. Get comfortable. Start breathing. So here's the, the best way I can describe it. I actually shot a video on this. Imagine you're in the middle of Grand Central Terminal in New York. In Grand Central, there's a clock a big clock in the middle and you're standing right under that clock. You're just there to breathe. That is your zero point. That's your reset point. All the people walking by are thoughts, thoughts that you will not stop under any circumstances. So don't think the, the, the job of meditation or the goal of meditation is to stop your thoughts. No different than running around and trying to grab each one of those people and get them to stop moving. They're going to move. What most people do all day long is follow someone, someone being a thought. Oh my God, I hate my job. And they're following that person. Oh my God, I hate my job, I can't wait till I quit. And then boom, another person walks by. They take a hard right and they start following that person. I wish I was thinner, I wish I was in better shape, I can't believe I missed that rep on the yada yada. Boom, someone else walks by, they take a hard left. That other person is the third thought, which is usually a repetitive thought that's often negative. Oh, my life sucks. I wish this was happening. I wish I made more money, blah, blah, blah. That person goes and gets on a train to Connecticut. And there you are, off. You have no idea how you got there or where you're going even. The thoughts have just led you down the line. That's your standard human in their head throughout the day. Meditation is following that first thought. Oh, my God, I hate my job. Wait a minute. That's a thought. Taking a deep breath, walking back under the tower, the clock rather, and resetting so while you're sitting there you're literally just watching thoughts go by and figuring out at what point have has one come and grabbed you by the cheek and pulled you into some mental fantasy or movie or whatever you're what you're doing or multiple thoughts later I mean, you know it could be a couple of minutes later and the act of meditation is simply taking a deep breath and coming back into that center point and sitting under the clock and saying, okay, let's let more, let's just sit here as long as we can watching people walk by. That's it. that and makes sense?
0: No, I mean, it absolutely makes yeah. sense to me. But the perspective of actually doing it and being able to learn to be still, mm-hmm. keep your thoughts in your control, mm-hmm. and realize that the people you're following, you're like, wait, wait. I should not be following that person. That's not the person I want to follow. Mm-mm. The other difficult thing is to, uh, box breathing. So breathing, mm-hmm. picture a box, right? And your uh, box breathing is if you take a deep breath for, let's say, a three count, then you hold it for three count, mm-hmm. exhale, three count, hold, three count. That's like, so your breathing is essentially going in a box.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Even to do that box breathing, let's just take it for a three count. mm mm-hmm. Eventually, you can grow up to even like seven, eight count with some skill. The ability to slow your mind down and to be able to do that box breathing, even ten cycles of that, is difficult. Yeah, it's crazy. You're like, it's oh, a, just it's do a ten. Practice. Go block a uh, breathing. You know, right. do box breathing. Go ten reps, and then right. It is very difficult, and then because you know, for a lot of people, it's like round three. You're already thinking about what should I have for dinner? Right. Oh, where was it? Oh, right. And then you got to start over.
1: And that's okay. Yep. The practice of coming back to that breath over and over and over is the actual practice. Yep. No matter how many times, even if it's once every two and a half seconds that your brain takes you on a, on a trip, coming back is the practice.
0: Now, other things that I want to point out mm-hmm. that are... And this is why I, like, I feel like you, like parallel universes, but different, because these are all things that I... And I don't, I don't think envy again is the right word, mm. but I appreciate that someone like you has the ability to go through. Because mm. for one, like I, I can't just up and leave my family and job and my kids for a month to go right. in the wilderness. Right. So that's another reason why I'm very grateful that I get to read what you wrote mm. and get to experience the best that I can in that. So if that makes sense. So yeah. thank you. That's why another reason I didn't, you know, I just realized it now. Why I appreciate that that style of writing that you have.
1: Thank you. And
0: the humility of it and be able to recognize the 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 drawbacks the weaknesses the struggles with it. Yeah. It's not all macho.
1: No. It was it was far from it.
0: And uh, and also for the listeners if you guys don't know, you know Traver is very very peaceful. He's talking about meditation, but he also fought MMA. Yeah. And which is a, a particularly violent endeavor. Yeah. So it's crazy. The, the, I mean the, the different ends of the spectrum, but again, they're very similar. Right. Um, but so during this, uh, the Year to Live project, the three things that stood out to me the most are obviously the, the 28 days you spent the, the, the dark retreat right. in Guatemala in a clay hut with no light, sound, just sitting there by yourself 20 days. Yeah. And then your work within the hospice. Yeah. Now would you say the hospice the dark retreat and then your time in Utah were like is that like the three the biggest experiences with with the most amount of growth within that year?
1: Yeah, for sure. They were the they were the like the trifecta. Yeah, I had some other stuff that obviously was influential and some things where I walked away with like theoretical knowledge. Like I did a month, month long leadership course that was yogic leadership with this woman named Kobe Kozlowski. That was fantastic. That I still teach and draw back from, or draw back too, in my teaching with or working with clients. But for personal transformation, for holy shit, I'm about to get thrown down a flight of stairs. uh, Those three were the biggies.
0: So let me let me repeat that in case in case somebody heard that, but then like wait, what? Yes, he went to Guatemala and spent a month with no light in a room,
1: eight by eight about 12 feet wide yeah
0: tiny little room yeah no light 20 days
1: yeah seven 7 people are like oh did you put the light on at night yeah that's no, and like no. you didn't
0: have your cell phone you didn't have a match you didn't there was this i had nothing nada pitch black even when the food was delivered there was no light it went through like it was like a almost like a prison like you get like the old door opens here comes yeah. the food it closes you open the other door so and this is something I've heard you talk about. I've read your things, and so there's certain things I want to point out. And that is the initial day or two mm-hmm. is like oriented, like how many times you hit your head, you yeah. know, what it's like to poop in the darkness, and you can't yeah. figure out what's going on. Right. The Cold showers, yeah. Uh, like <laughs> obviously, probably you're sitting down to pee because otherwise you're gonna probably pee everywhere. Because yep. How do you know where you're peeing? Yeah. Like trying to like to navigate that. Yeah, but it comes a certain point we start hitting a stride, and then the the journey inward yeah. to yourself. Yeah, can you just describe that for our listeners?
1: The journey inward.
0: Yeah, you're in this room, like, oh, what? So you just go and you sit in dark, and like, what actually? Right. Eventually, what happens to you?
1: It took about eight days, Scott, and I. We've talked. I'll just touch on a couple of things. We talked about surrender. You know, I hit my head and hit my face on shit every day up until the last day and never once got frustrated. And I remember the woman who, who was guiding me or who was in charge of me. Now, uh, when she first showed me the room, she, there was a ladder up to the sleeping area. And my initial thought was there's a ladder. There's no light. Like why the hell is there a ladder? And she said, uh, you're never going to be in a rush in here. So take your time. And that, washed over me throughout the month but to answer your specific question the first eight days I was just bored I did 100 sit-ups a day 100 push-ups 100 squats you know I did burpees Uh, I tried to do a handstand and then hit my foot on something I was like don't do that ever again (laughs) Uh, I just kept busy right I meditated I waited for food I, I experienced like what is it like to eat without being able to see how often have we done that what is it like to take a shower in pitch dark? What is it like to, you're right, take a shit. What is it like to just be here? Uh, what are the natural patterns, like, et cetera? But on the eighth night, I had a really bad dream. I, I, I dreamt that my ex-wife and I were walking down a beach with the uh, uh, child that we would have birthed. And that was the kickoff point. Right for me. That's when I got so furious and so uh, emotive, and so overwhelmed with pain that my experience of the outside was irrelevant, and I just dove fully into my own psychology and into my own story. Right, I had to grieve all of that stuff and and more, and my I went back my entire life. You know, from as far back as I could remember. And it was freaky how, how clear the memories were. Unbelievably freaky. And so for the next two weeks probably, I was either crying or meditating and waiting. You know, I'd meditate for an hour and just see what popped into my head. what What decided to come from the bottom up. And I watched this crescendo, right? There was the first day and it was this massive spike of just pain and awfulness and, uh, uncontrollably sobbing on the floor in the fetal position. And for the last two days that would happen in like 20 minute bursts. And then I could go four hours of just meditating and there'd be nothing, 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 nothing. It was like, you know, on those sushi conveyor belts, (laughs) there's just nothing. And then, oh wow, there's a plate that has something that I need to deal with. Oh shit. Okay. Let me think. What is that? And then I would lie on my back and watch the process of my body kind of uh, evict that from my, from my being, right? Either crying, laughing, yelling, screaming, conversing with people, talking to whoever the person was that I saw an image of or a video of or whatever the, the situation was. Um, that was most of it, right? Right? That was up until I think I've talked about, we can jump into this later, the last maybe three days where I wasn't sure if I had died or not because I was just so exhausted. I stopped sleeping on the eighth night regularly, right? I would just pass out for what I thought were like half hour bursts. I knew I would be up all night because I could just sit there and wait for breakfast and just wait and wait and wait and wait and wait or fall asleep and then very quickly hear like the breakfast bell.
0: So if um, I was going to ask, how do you know it was day and night? I'm assuming just based on the meals,
1: just based on the meals. Yeah. I was fed at nine at one and at five. And so other than that, you know, every once in a while I could hear things. There were air ducts, obviously, even though the air ducts had to be, um, they couldn't be straight because that would let light in. So they were these huge curved, like snake ducts in the wall with, uh, screens on each end. So no, no insects or anything could get in. But every once in a while, I could hear like crickets, or I didn't know. I didn't know the routine of the ashram. So this is where they saw one, like a spiritual center, and two Sundays in a row they held this big singing event, and I thought I lost my fucking mind. I'm like, <laughs> oh my god, people are like, what's where is this sound coming from, you know? So I just didn't know the the routine. Yeah. Do you
0: think? Do you think that that mattered, or do you think that experience could be a little bit? I don't want to say improved, but to give you, let's just say every eight hours you got a meal and you couldn't tell if it was breakfast,
1: lunch, or dinner? Um, I don't know. That's a good question. You know, I, I, don't, I don't think it would have mattered because, or, or, you know, it might have. That's a tough question because I held on to a lot of my sanity up until that last week by doing math like okay that was the third meal i have 81 left to go right and could and that would calm me down 81 is only you know tw- 24 times 3 i only have to, if it, once i get to the 24th meal i only have to do that and it's not just screwed up math but etc. you know i would do, you, do a lot of division So what
0: you, what you, a couple of things I'm, I'm kind of curious just like the na- the the nat the natural mm-hmm. rhythm mm-hmm. of us mm-hmm. um and what if you took away the external environment Mm -hmm. what that actually does to us so Mm
2: -hmm.
0: that's why i was asking about that and the other thing i'm assuming is that you you started giving yourself tasks because everybody wants to have a why a a, a project or a thing to have some type of accomplishment something to do Mm -hmm. even in a room where there's nothing to do or you have no purpose except Mm -hmm. be in there Mm -hmm. and try not to die Mm
2: -hmm.
0: or maybe you do and you don't realize it and you come back So also the other thing I found very fascinating was, uh, first of all, did you meditate with your eyes open or closed?
1: I meditated with them closed, but one of the challenges of being in that room was I, there were times when I had bright lights in my eyes that didn't exist. And so I couldn't tell if my own eye was open or closed. This was awful at night. And so I would touch my own eyeball to see is my eyeball, is my eyelid closed or is it open? I can't tell. Uh, I would do it with them closed because that's how I naturally meditate. So it was just my own habit. Yeah, that's what, okay. So then
0: lastly, because I want to move on, but what mm-hmm. happens, and this is something, a fascinating like brain test, mm-hmm. you know, that I don't have the ability to understand. But what happens, and I'm using air quotes here, visually to you at a certain point in time when you're around in nothing but darkness and how you start to actually see and have visions.
1: Yeah, they hallucinate. So I hallucinated that the walls of the cave were much bigger than they were, or the walls of the room were like being in a cave in, uh, in like Sedona. I would hallucinate animals running by, like things moving that weren't moving. Uh, one whole day, this was probably my favorite day, I hallucinated I was living in a fish tank. You know, there were actual things swimming by me. But other than that, I didn't have a lot of... well, like a rectangular fish tank? Like a bubble tank? No, just like or living in the bottom of the ocean. Oh man! Like I'm just surrounded by water and fish and, and all this stuff, like seaweed. It Where was, does that come nuts. from? I have no idea. Maybe that a, is fascinating. Just chemical wow. release of your brain, you know. And I had talked to people or talked to the woman who, who ran all of this and said, you know, we'll have people go in there for three days, and from the moment they walk in till the moment they out, they're deep in hallucination. And but normally it takes around 10 or 11 days before your brain starts kicking off the chemical that will do that. And I remember getting to day 11 and being like, all right, let's, let's get some hallucinations going here. <laughs> I'm kind and of, man, that would be an, inter-
0: an interesting study. If, they, if somebody went and spent several years there with people and, mm-hmm. would, and kept track of the hallucinations mm. and then see if there's any like theme, theme or parallel or, or similarity. Because yeah. let's just say if everyone's going in there and like after 11 days, everyone's hallucinating that they're in an ocean, Right. with prehistoric whales. Right. Maybe kind of, I yeah. don't know, maybe it would say something about humans yeah. or where we came from.
1: I don't know. I think it was as varied, you know, she talked about people seeing angels and having spiritual experiences. Most of mine was innerworldly, as opposed to otherworldly.
0: Which, again, goes back to the theme of knowing yourself and, yeah. how, and how important it is to know yourself and, yeah. and be in contact with everything within you yeah because if you're strong within then you can deal with anything without
1: a hundred percent
0: and I think that lesson that lesson right there is you know attach it in the accountability category or the ownership category, mm-hmm. but it's like especially for a man and we're talking about you know what it means to be a man these days and mm-hmm. what and the definition of masculinity right but I think at some point in time, and I won't say just men but humans, if you can realize that, it's almost like like you've gotten a black belt in being a human now,
1: yeah. Or what A couple aspects of it.
0: Yeah, yeah. You know? But just that ability—that ability, that ability to—wow, I'm good. Or like, uh, I've talked about this in previous episodes. But if a kid, from a parent standpoint, if I get that lesson in my kids, right, I'm like done. I'm like right. good. I've succeeded in my life now. Yeah. Super important lesson. I think that part is, you know, comes from a lot of people that are looking for for help. You know, self help, outside help, whatever, mm-hmm. uh, or leaning on someone like you, like a, a corner man, as right. you've talked about, right, 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 and, and is that ability to to adjust people and to recalibrate people to realize that?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So you had the 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 dark retreat, and there's also for the people if you if you jump on YouTube, you can watch uh, afterwards after you came out and you had your your beard and you looked all relaxed mm-hmm. and like at peace. You took some video and you show yeah what it, what it actually looked like. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Um, and I also want to touch on your experience and why you think other people should do this and that is spending time in a hospice.
1: Mm. Yeah, it was magical. It is the ultimate duality of pain and, and humility and honor. It's, it's everything you, we, we talk about in higher levels of beingness, right? It is a black belt in space holding. It is the ultimate black belt in space holding just sitting with someone who is literally dying and having them say all I want from you is to have you in front of me and that is literally all I need in the world right now can you do that and can you do that non reactively like can you sit across from a human as they're dying in their most vulnerable in what's happening to them biologically their most what we would consider shamefully outside of that situation Right? Someone shitting themselves, someone puking on themselves, someone hacking up blood in front of you. Can you hold your shit together so compassionately for them and so wholly for yourself that, man, was that a, a trip and a half and changed me forever?
0: And perspective changing.
1: Perspective forever, yeah.
0: I mean, obviously, all, all these experiences are, are changing your perspective. Mm-hmm. You know, you're getting different views of the room from several different angles. Yeah. One thing, though, I'm kind of curious about, and I didn't think about this until I was listening to you speak, and that is outside of being in a hospice Mm -hmm. and in front of somebody and being there for that person that you don't know, and how much more difficult it is and what it's like to do that in front of somebody that you do know, like your Mm -hmm. dad, Mm
2: -hmm.
0: and what that does to a person. And so I say that because... You know we all go through experiences mm-hmm. and most of the time right now uh, in our history is most of the, the slow deaths that we are aware of is tends to be cancer because mm-hmm. you know it's not like a you know, someone getting shot or a car accident or something like that that's like a right. very cute uh, uh, stimulus that happens boom it's very sudden but a slow death which by the way I always remind people that we are all slowly dying right as it's soon true. as you're born you have yeah. a you have a fatal disease and that is life yeah you're here temporarily in your organic husk
2: mm-hmm.
0: that technically was assigned to you your soul got in line somewhere probably and then you're like all right here you're gonna you get this husk to go about life and try to enjoy yourself yeah um but then having the the strength the vulnerability to be able to sit in front of your loved ones that's going through it Oof. and being there for them yeah and there was a a, a few moments, and I talked about this on on the first episode for right, Dad. Right. When it hit me, when like, wow, this is he. This is he's not going to make it. Right. And to be able to sit there and look him in the eyes and tell him to start writing or right. to say goodbye and shake his hand, that t- that type of stuff is. I don't know, man. I just wish I, I want our listeners to know to to really, 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 really to live on purpose and to love on purpose now and not wait mm-hmm. cuz nothing is guaranteed right Mm-mm. and it could be a stranger it could be your neighbor and it could be it could be your child and to do that on purpose and have the strength to do it no matter how bad it hurts mm-hmm. cuz that stuff i mean like you learn from the pain you grow from the pain mm. but if you don't do it what eats at you is regret
1: yeah. Right. Unexpressed pain.
0: Yep. And dealing with the regret. I don't know. I don't, I, don't, I don't have the answer on how to deal
1: with that. You got to express the pain. Yeah. Yeah. We live in a society, an epidemic of unexpressed pain, especially men.
0: Yes. And so switching gears to that sure. particular thing, how doing this podcast, I never thought like, oh, I'm going to like try and be an example of the 21st century man. Sure. Which is something, a term that I saw in one of the iTunes reviews for this for this show i saw it i'm like huh yeah it was like (laughs) i'm like wait is that what i'm doing (laughs) my podcast (laughs) yeah that i am like, what am i doing differently you know i don't know it kind of but what it did for me and this is something i always say this isn't a me podcast it's a we right like my guests and and paul over here and you know my family and and all the listeners this we're doing this all together i don't have the answers and i learn from everyone even whoever wrote that iTunes review. Right. Cuz then it kind of put you me think. out. Yeah, it put me out like, on like this thing. I'm like, "Wow, let me look and see what other and there's all kinds of other podcasts out there. There's books." I'm like, "Wow, there's actually like this this movement away from like the World War II generation of like stoic men mm. where they never express their feelings and they kind of held it in." Right. And I think maybe right now you know guys like you are helping to change that 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 paradigm that like Yeah. I want to say it's it's almost like a a soul shackle or like we're walking around and we have a little bit of an anchor kind of like holding us back and then yeah. it's okay to be vulnerable. Yeah. It's okay. You're supposed to have you have feelings. Yeah, absolutely. And and to release those governors right. that stop you from actually uh perceiving life and being you and being strong. Yeah. I don't know if I put that correctly, but I think you you're, you you know, the path of what it is to be I don't like saying man, but I think for men, we have the stigma of like not crying and sitting there and being quiet, be tough. Right. Which has its place. Of course. But also to recognize the actual feelings that are actually happening to you and not lying to yourself or lying to others about it.
1: Right. And to have the ability to express multiple emotions. Yes. Other than just anger. Right. Most men have one road or one outlet channel for all emotion, sadness, sadness, pain over these i know these are emotions fear whatever whatever their frustration disappointment rejection oh that all just gets shoved down the anger channel and that's the only way it comes out that's what we know
0: you know it's in, like even if i'm by myself a couple times like and i'll cry like everyone mm-hmm. like i will cry
1: you should i human. will
0: watch a disney movie and cry mufasa i don't <laughs> I will. I want to even watch it sometimes because I'm like I don't want
2: to too soon.
0: I'm not ready. Fossa. Uh, or or my girl or you know or stand by yeah, me oh or like certain God, things still get me right. Crush me. But yeah. Yeah, but there's like sometimes I've, I'll catch myself stopping myself. Yeah. I'll I'll put the brakes on it. I'm not like here I am. I'm gonna express myself. Right. And no stop. Stop! You don't look. No, you don't want to cry. Right. But then, like, and then, kind of like recalibrating. Like, no, it's okay. This is what you're supposed to do, and own it. This is you, and be proud of it. Right. You know, like this, like this. uh, I don't know. Be proud of it, and it's okay. And I think that's where, like, we're at now, and we're we're kind of like waking up, and it's okay. Even like between guy friends, like we'll go years and not actually talk to each other about how we're feeling about that relationship even.
1: Right. You know, it's really unfortunate and it is leading to the statistics that we see, which are men are the leaders in 99.9% of what we would call negative statistics, suicide, early death, health issues, abuse and violence in the world, addiction. It's it. We're we're kicking ass in those categories and we don't want to be right. Right. It is unexpressed emotion so often or unexpressed pain. if we take a a kettle pot and, you know, put the, put the gas on and put the heat, the fire underneath it, it's going to fucking explode unless we have skillful ways to bleed this off. And we do take on a lot as men. We take on a lot of emotion. You're a profession, especially where is the release valve? It's either we're going to numb it. It's alcohol. We're going to get drunk and fight it out. It's the men need skillful releases more than anything, and the skill and willingness to say, hey, this is how I feel, I'm going to express this emotion, period. Period, fucking period. I don't care what anybody says. It's one of the beauties of having major trauma happen, right? You know this. Mm -hmm. You have no choice but to cry. You have no choice but to break down. You have no choice but to get leveled by life and say, okay, oh, thank God. I'm feeling my humanity in a way I never did before. And what do you know the people I'm around especially if it, they are conscious or you have consciously chosen them to be around you are nothing but supportive. Right? No one's making fun of you, no one's shaming you.
0: I think well first of all if they are maybe like reevaluate that relationship.
1: 100% reevaluate it.
0: Um This is not necessarily a topic I've you know, I I've explored on how to help others do this. Mm-hmm. So my advice, and I want you to back, back me up here, because I know you, you do this like professionally, mm-hmm. but the thing that I found to help with some of my you know, most alpha, macho males is I'll just tell them to write.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Write to their kids. Mm-hmm. Write to a kid that you don't even have yet. Like, pretend you have a kid, and they're going to be 20. Eventually, you might be a parent, or mm-hmm. write to... Um, your unborn child, mm. or a child that lost in a, in a miscarriage. Write to that spirit. Mm-hmm. That's what I've found is like a, a a jump off point to get stuff out and recognize it, and then okay, and then when in doubt, read it to somebody.
1: Yeah, that's a biggie. Write to yourself. Yep. Write to the part of you that's in pain. Right. Write to the part of your whoever you were at whatever age. When something traumatic happened, write to that person. Speak to that person because they still live inside you. And for
0: those people that are going through, uh, and I'm, you know, I'm hoping there's more than three listeners. <laughs> but even if it's the three of you, if we are speaking to you, I, all of us are probably thinking of stuff. I want to. I, I don't know. I, I want to recognize that it's okay to feel that way. Yeah, of course. I want, like, it's okay to feel that pain. You're supposed to. That means you're alive, which means, like, you have that gift to even feel pain. Yeah. But to to reframe what you think is weakness is actually a strength. Yeah. And that goes back to what I say a vulnerability is strength. And that's a universal thing. It's not, like, you know, specifically my idea. Right. But I believe in it so much that I keep saying it over and over and over. Yeah. So you know, to try and you know change some thought processes out there, yeah, you know I think uh especially between the two of us, between my career and you know and your background in in fighting, and yet we're we'll sit here and look at each other and just cry. no worry and it won't make me feel less of a man, in Not fact, it'll make me feel more yeah of a man
1: because how courageous to do it. Yep. Right? If yep. it was easy and if it was strong, then to be silent, to be stuffed in, then people wouldn't do it, right? Humans aren't naturally leaning into strength and what's difficult. They go the other way. So it is a great act of courage. Yep. It is a massive act of strength.
0: And it goes back to our <clears throat> themes of surrendering. mm I think i wrote that on one of your instagram posts like what's like a word and i was like surrender yeah when in doubt just surrender if you're holding on to something surrender if you're fighting yeah. something surrendering yeah if you're having a hard time forgiving surrender that yeah if you're having a hard time with your job who's fighting it you you're carrying around like if if you're in a job that's going to replace you in three days if you were to pass away yeah like Surrender the fight that you have against that. Yeah. When it out, you know, I keep talking about it, man, if you're in it, the people out there doing something you don't like, change it. Definitely. Right? Like, change it. You only have a, a <clears throat> certain amount of time here. Yeah. It's like, you're only here again you're in that organic husk that you're currently occupying. This is your shot. It's like, you're going right. to, you went to Disneyland once. You're not going to go there and just sit and be unhappy. You yeah. go ride the rides.
1: <laughs> right. <laughs> it's brilliant.
0: It, no, I mean, I don't know. What other option is there? You're not just coming here to be in the most awesome place ever just to suffer or be unhappy because if you're doing that, you're not being supportive. You're not being the best husband. You're not being the best friend. Yeah. You're not being the best you. Right. And you deserve better than that. Yeah. So speaking of which is, I don't think any of us, like obviously you, you had this like beautiful death and you were in the dirt, you know, you were struggling. Yeah. In like a beautiful redwood tree that grows out of the out of the dirt. Um but you're not done. Oh fuck no. Not even a little bit.
2: Uh uh-uh.
1: uh.
0: And I say you're only like three years old because yeah. this just started happening was it twenty fifteen? Yeah, twenty fifteen. So we're we're in twenty eighteen. So yeah. it was, you spent decades. Yeah. Decades.
1: Thirty-nine years.
0: Thirty-nine years in that former self of yours. Yeah. So now that's what I say. You're three. Yeah. And then to look at the difference of where you were at that person to where you're at now and that kind of growth in 3 years. Yeah. And then where obviously you're not done. No. And where you're going to go from here. So currently where you're at like is there anything right now you're struggling with?
1: Yeah, of course. You know, I am I'm looking for somewhere to live. I'm looking for a place that feels like home. And that's an odd thing to say. you know. I thought Santa Barbara was my home. And I thought that was where I would spend the vast majority of my life. And then very quickly, it didn't feel like home. And then very quickly, every I felt, because I finally got a sense of myself, I felt okay everywhere in the world, but nowhere felt like home. And that's still a struggle of where do I want to commit to putting down roots? Or do I even? I I. I I feel so good in my own skin, which I didn't do for 39 years. Yeah, yeah. But now I still, uh, that is the struggle. or That's something that I've surrendered a number of times and have even been wow. in meditation and been like, I would love to, if you would just tell me where I'm going to live and then yeah. meditate and hear, let it go. I'm like, God damn it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, man. So you get so comfortable with yourself and you know who you are in that relationship. And then you're like okay I have this like organism within me that I'm working and I'm happy with where do I want to put it yeah and maybe they're I mean man I don't have I wish I had some sort of magical answer first of all for my sake try to avoid concrete yeah like avoid like you know all this m- these metal machines that are flying around out right, here, right, right. kicking out stuff that's not supposed not helping us Live and yeah, all the concrete that it's out here suffocating the earth. If I had a choice, I wouldn't. I mean, if it was just if I were you, I would keep going because yeah. again, it, it's the journey that's important, right? right. Not, not not necessarily the location,
1: right? And that keeps happening, the journey keeps getting cooler and cooler. Yeah, and it's more, like a, oh, more incredible here. up right? oh, Seattle, here I am. Yeah, San Diego, here I am, Colorado, here I am. All these places I've gotten to go and speak and be and be like, wow, this is amazing. And just feel a little dis-ease around, I'd yeah. love to go back to the same place and call it home. And who are my people?
0: All right, let me, let me rephrase the question sure. here. If, from right now, if you can go on a month vacation anywhere in the world, where would you go?
1: Mm. Somewhere with crystal clear water and surf and good internet, you know, and supportive people. I think I've been on vacation of sorts. two and a half years but I I would want to find a group of like a community that's what I'm missing right I had my gym I had 300 people that loved me and cared about me and and still do but I'm looking for a community that
0: community is something you know about CrossFit you're talking um, yeah is around a universal struggle right and that forms communities Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm and and it's not necessarily just CrossFit. You go. It's triathlon groups. It's right. it uh, jujitsu. Yeah, yeah, that's another big on. one. Yeah. So the good thing about that, there's like fourteen thousand of those things everywhere <laughs> in the world. So
1: <laughs>
0: it's true. It's true. Yeah. So like ideally, if you find a place that you can do what you like. Yeah. You know, have you still been training
1: any of that? No, 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 no. I haven't. Do you have any desire to? It's weird. I do from a. A goal set standpoint, like I always wanted to get my black belt. Uh, I, I love the chess of it. Uh, unfortunately, have a pretty severely injured neck. And so anytime that gets triggered, then two months of my life are spent in management as opposed to lifting weights and, and yeah, being yeah, comfortable. That's,
0: well, I'm sure eventually there's going to be some sort of like virtual reality brain Yeah. Jiu jitsu. (laughs) Jiu jitsu. partner train. Yeah, totally. Like, you know, like Demolition Man, we'll just go sit and. Yeah.
1: I'll still miss having someone grind their face into their head into my face. Yeah. There's like. The contact aspect of it.
0: That. I think that's also an an important part of being, I don't want to say a man, because I don't want to leave out females, but the ability, and this is something that a lot of kids learn in sports, right? You know, particularly, let's say football, the ability to go up against another human being physically contact and pushing and the skin is touching and rubbing yeah. and have that person trying to essentially kill you. Yeah. And you trying not to be killed and do the same. And that, and like the, it, the, the life lessons that are born out of someone trying to kill you.
1: Yeah. I will specifically say that men need that. It's not that women don't, but or not that all women don't, all men need that. Yeah. Period. It's, yeah. It's kind of a trip on how many guys
0: I know that a have never been punched in the face. Right. And B don't know how to like throw a punch. Yeah. I'm like, where have we gotten with our men where we don't, those two Mm. things are missing. We've civilized them. Ah, I see. Uh, (laughs) That is a professional segue to the man uncivilized.
1: (laughs) We have, right? Yes, we have. And if you look around at the state of men and the state of the world, especially here in the U.S., we have taken away the desire for adventure. We've taken away strength. We've, we've shamed strength. We've shamed what's naturally masculine and said, no, this is, there's a new paradigm. And yes, we had to have a pendulum swing away from the brutal stoicism that came out of World War II where there was no expression of emotion But now the pendulum needs to swing back to the middle and it needs to swing back to the middle in a way that's empowered and and actually a different middle, an enlightened middle, an actualized middle.
0: So guys, we're all suffering from some type of pain out there. Mm -hmm. And that pain is like several, it's, it has several layers to it. There's an actual daily pain that everyone struggles with Mm -hmm. just having to, to travel through your daily life. Yeah. But then there's also that other layer of stress of the controls, the cultural controls that we've put on ourselves. Mm -hmm. So hopefully what we're doing here is waking some people up. Yeah. And making them aware of it. And then if they are and wanting change outside of writing, are there any like I know you so you just have you have a book, Today I Rise. Yeah. It's on Amazon. Go check it out. Thank you. If are there other like lesson plans or let me rephrase this sure if you guys are interested go to your website right i mean Mm -hmm. what is the website
1: Traverbohm.com.
0: spell your last name for him
1: b-o-e-h-m my first name is t-r-a-v-e-r
0: what does that mean by the way
1: it was my grandmother's maiden name awesome yeah i wear it with pride
0: um, obviously, I'm going to have this stuff in the show notes, but I, I, I want to redirect and give because I don't just like give out these lessons and they're like these points and then not have the ability to rebuild. Yeah. And so if you go to the, web, the uh, Travers website, spend some time reading there. And if you're interested, please just like join them, shoot them, shoot me yeah, an shoot, email. Shoot
1: me an email. Uh, and Instagram has easy ways to contact me too email or text
0: and and use the, the resource. Um. There's no ego involved. There's no pain. It doesn't, in my opinion, you're a stronger and more of a man if you, uh, if you can reach out for help. Yeah. Especially those of you that are struggling to a point where you're, the, 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 the flicker of
1: suicide is a thought. Of course. I've gotten those calls. I've gotten those texts and emails from people from social media of, I'm at rock bottom. I don't know what to do. What do I do?
0: First of all, that is an awesome step. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, if you are or if you know somebody that is, mm-hmm. use Traver as a resource. Please. All right. This is this is a beautiful life, and that we we all here are in service of others. So mm-hmm. let's let's help each other. And I think that is another big component to the to what you're doing with Man and Civilized, and and I I mentioned Corner Man earlier. Yeah. Um. And that is having somebody in your corner that is fully going to support you. Yeah. Um, and if you don't have necessarily something like that, or you, or you're not ready to reach out to that person in the way that you 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 should. Yeah. Then get Traver in your corner.
1: Yeah. Put me in your corner.
0: And then you can help redirect and, yeah. and help people. So, guys, man, let's do it. Time to surrender. Yeah. Time to have some accountability, some ownership, mm-hmm. and. And forgive yourself mm. before you even begin forgiving others, right? I mean, forgive yourself.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: And then if you have to go underneath the moon and start <laughs> yelling at the moon, <laughs> you know it's fun. Like we laugh about that, but I don't know. Like some, sometimes I, I get embarrassed of like some of the thoughts that I have.
1: Yeah. Uh, don't. No, I know absolutely. Yeah. Like
0: I'm over it. Yeah. Like you can. I don't care. Like yeah. I, I'm happy. Um, I struggle and I still actually have a hard time having this podcast in general because hmm. I just am I like, who am I to have a thing where I talk into this thing and people listen like
1: what did the poem say you're a child of the universe yeah right?
0: exactly so yeah. Did, so when you're saying that yeah I'm like you were you were talking about the actual like the moon right but the moon is just a big reflective mirror that's, that's taking the entire light of the universe and yeah. redirecting it back onto you. Yeah. So to me, it wasn't the moon. It was the universe talking to you. Right. That's me and my thoughts, everybody.
1: And it was monumental. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah. Was, it was life-changing, right? It was literally life-changing.
0: There's actually some really good, interesting passages about that, this kind of topic in uh, Way of the Peaceful Warrior, mm-hmm. Dan Millman. Fantastic book, guys. Go mm-hmm. check that one out as well. So you have a lot of really cool movements, and is it all into your website now? Because I know you've had like different. I mean, you've had the acupuncture thing, you've had the gym in the in the old life. You had the 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 the, you have the book "Today I Rise." You have the Year to Live project. You have your TED Talk, yeah, uh, which I highly recommend everyone go check out. Thank you. The TED Talk:
1: How to Make Pain Your Guru.
0: Yes. Yeah. And in there, and and again, this isn't necessarily why I didn't spend too much time on what actually like the divorce, what that was like, yeah. and all the stuff, because I know it's out there, mm-hmm. and it's in the TED Talk. Mm-hmm. And So again, not regurgitating. Go check that stuff out. Mm-hmm. And then maybe jump back into this podcast. And then also uh, One Day Stronger. Yeah. These are all things that are like, I mean, you're hitting it right. on you know, Here's a nail. You're just right Take on you. it, buddy.
1: Yeah. So One Day Stronger, you know, to, to sort of segregate them, I wrote the book Today I Rise for people that were going through a divorce or a heartbreak. Because so many people, when I was going through mine, and I had made it public by writing about it, were contacting me. And the ju- the like, foundational idea of it was, every day, no matter what happened to you that day, no matter how shitty, how awful, if it was the worst day of your life. At some point, you would get to the end of that day, and you would be one day stronger. And then you had the ability the next day to wake up and go, yeah, I'm actually glad that happened. I'm glad I went through that thing yesterday because here I am just a little bit stronger. And it was almost an arrogant edge, a pushback against pain. And I was working with people that were going through divorces and was uh, daily. was coaching them through it. And oddly enough, it started to become more and more men. And it was also becoming harder and harder for me because mine was so fresh. Mine was a month out, two months out from being completed And I was just hearing about all this heartbreak and I was like, I think I need to move in a different direction here. And my clientele at that point, as I said, was mostly men. And I started seeing themes in all of them. And as you know, having the same conversation over and over and over again, and then being a obsessive overthinker going, why, why are, why are we this way? Why is the state of men the way it, it is? And, looking at the masses, looking at people I interacted with or, you know, people watching constantly going on a ton of first dates and listening. And literally the first date conversation is tell me about the men you've gone out with. What do you see? You guys are, you're on the other side of the table. Who are the men you're seeing? Oh, wow. These are the themes. There's no leadership. There's no one's making decisions. Men are terrified to be men. They've lost their balls. They've lost their drive. They've lost their health. Fuck what's happened to us? And I had a conversation with a good friend of mine Adam Cobb who said why don't you eat McDonald's? When was the last time you ate McDonald's? And I was like dude, I don't eat that shit It's, it's fucking civilian food. Like, You put a gun to my head. I wouldn't eat McDonald's. I was like, what is he? What do you mean? Civilian I was like look at the world man. Look at how civilized people live They come home from work. They crack a beer. They sit there. They watch TV for the rest of the night. They're uninspired they're unhealthy they're unactualized and That term, words, as you know, like are a big deal to me. And it just started chewing on me. I started chewing on it of what's happened to men. Why are we the way that we are? And then the Me Too movement happened. It was like, oh, wow, something's happening to men. Something's happening to the view of men. The idea that men are putting out. Something's something's transitional. We are in a transitional phase right now. And it just started flowing out of me and flooding out of me of these ideas that how do we get groups of men together? How do we find brothers in this fight? How do we look at each other and say, you know what, for the first time, I want to be both strong and open. Oh shit, I haven't heard that before. And I talk about in the, in the Year to Live project that I first met men who were of the divine masculine, right, guys in ashrams, yogis, um, meditators, priests. And I had this incredible respect for them because they just spoke about their hearts. And I could feel being around them, like, oh my God, these guys love every part of life and every part of this experience in a way that I've never touched before. I've never had this experience. But it's odd to say, I also then went, huh, you know what? If one of these guys was in my house and someone broke in, I don't think they'd help me. I don't think they had the ability to help me. They've lost this, this manliness, this strength, this power, this touch of it. So something was missing, at least from my interpretation of it. And then the guys in the woods, the coaches there were these, these just primal fucking warriors. These guys were walking around in shorts and sandals when I was in boots and long underwear and, you know, like, and, and shivering. These guys, zero problems. They could kill with a knife, they could hunt food, they could make shelter, but I didn't think they could, they weren't as open with their hearts. I'm not sure they could integrate back into society, right? These were guys that would spend months in in the woods at a time. So how do I take the primal and the divine and put it together? Because I think the new iteration of masculinity calls for both, right? We Mm -hmm. need strength back on the table. Strength has to be something that we're not ashamed of. And for the first time, our hearts, our our openness, our connection to a greater source, our compassion, our empathy, our emotional intelligence has to come on board in a way that it's never come on board before. And that man I call the, um, the man uncivilized because I don't find a space in society yet that has room for that person. I couldn't find examples of this. I had to go far to the left and far to the right had to be a meditating cage fighting acupuncturist and go, Oh, all of this. It needs all of it. I have to be able to embrace darkness. I have to be able to look at someone and say, yeah, I have some dark shit going on in my head, right? I am a man. I have darkness and then go, Oh, I'm also courageous enough to walk into the light and own both aspects of it.
0: Beautiful. Thank you. Two thoughts here. Mm hmm. You're talking about what's going on with men, right? Mm-hmm. And, I have talked about this on prior episodes and I'm going to keep it on repeat because each time I do I, a parent reaches out to me. Mm. And if you are a parent, it's not too late for us, right? Cause we're talking about adults mm, here. Not at all. But where is it coming from? And so how do you teach resilience and how do you teach grit and how do you teach kids to have the decision to choose strength and a little thing that kind of just got born up on a hill, a snowy hill with my, I must've been, he was four years old then, and my kid kept slipping and falling and getting upset about it, mm-hmm. naturally. I mean, but it got a little bit too much, and so I wanted to redirect him to to show him that he has the ability to choose what he's going to do next.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And so we use this little mantra now that when he falls, I, he repeats, get up strong. Oh,
1: I love it. So now I it's love like, it.
0: he, it's a thing. He, yeah. And so if he falls, I'm like, hey, what do we do? And it, it's like, you'd see it physically, his brain yeah. switch. Right. Boom. Oh, we get up strong.
1: Wow. Massive. Yeah.
0: And now he's five massive. and it's going. And I'm now right. working it with, with, you know, all the little knuckleheads in our family and mm-hmm. it's growing to parents and other kids out there. Mm, I love it. I don't want to say it's like a get up strong movement, but maybe it is. Yeah. Maybe that's what we need to do and start right. teaching our kids. Right. To right. choose to get up strong. Yeah. And now when I leave, sometimes I go to work, he's like, Daddy, Daddy, you know what I do? Uh-huh. I'm like, oh, what? He's like, I get up strong. Oh, I love it. Right? I love it, it. Yeah, man. Yeah. So
1: think of the ripple effect of it. Yes. That. It's massive. It's beyond yeah. what you ever, it's, yeah. it's millions of people. Yeah. It's a simple little,
0: yeah. those three words. Yeah. And what it massively does to his behavior and thinking and how he decides to deal with adversity. Right. Next thing is the people in a support role, mm-hmm. like uh, um, the wife, the mm. girlfriend. Uh huh. You know, how can they help their men?
1: It's, it's such a great question, Scott. And it's one I get all the time from people that reach out. Because the vast majority of people who reach out to me are women. Saying, my boyfriend is, my husband is struggling. This person I love is struggling. And there's two responses. The first is, he's not going to listen to you. I'm sorry. So you have to get him to reach out to a man or have a man reach out to him. I will literally say, give me his phone number. I'll text him, say, hey, a guy's gonna text you. He just wants to see if you wanna chat. And I'll chat with a guy for 10, 15 minutes. I'm not trying to sell him anything. It's like, hey, man, I heard you're struggling. I help men. How can I help you? And some of the ends of those conversations are awesome. You know what I need you to do? Just make me a promise you'll go to AA. Just make me a promise you'll go get some help with this. That's it. End a conversation. Two, this is where they can have a more active role. I think it's very helpful. I feel that it's very helpful if women in the supporting role just honor the fact that this guy is suffering and, and voice that, as opposed to, you know what you need to do? You need to do X, Y, and Z. It's the compassionate aspect of the compassion is twofold. One, I'm not going anywhere. So if you admit this, if you actually take steps on this, I'm not going to leave you. I'm here. I'm holding the support for you. And two, I can just recognize in you that you are struggling. I see pain in you. I can't help you and I'm sorry for that but let's together try to find someone who can and, and find resource for you and it may take a couple seeds like that it may take I've, sh- I've sent a lot of people articles a lot of people books a lot of people talks and I said just read this I'm just like you are I was just like you are I had no fucking problems I'm fine I'm fine I'm fine and I was the farthest thing from fine and I didn't know that the avenues to reach out to and my ex would ask, are you sure you're okay? I'm like, hey, I said I was fucking fine. But never was the conversation brought to me of, I know you're not fine. I'm not going anywhere. And I can see in you pain. And I'd love to see if we c- together can work on it or together we can find outreach for you.
0: So I'm really proud of you. Thank you. I'm really proud. This is like such an important thing you're doing. Thank you. And... It's just the beginning. Yeah. Uh, I feel it. And again, for the people, I just want to have this on repeat. How can people reach you?
1: Uh, Instagram at Traver Just email me, traver at traverbohm.com. Go to my website. I don't even have a lot of stuff up on Man Uncivilized because it happens so damn fast. You know, a couple months ago, I was like, God, I really think I need to start helping men in this specific way. And had the basics of the program because I was just doing it sort of organically. And then threw a couple things out on social media and boom. I had a full clientele and then was like, oh wow. Okay, now I'm talking to 15 people a week. I have to manage that with, oh shit, I should probably write something on my website that this thing even exists. And word of mouth was going and people were, I was on the phone all the time. So yeah, I'll, my goal when I, when I get back to New York is to actually put a structure on my site so people can say, oh, it, this is a, it's a 12-week program that leads into a year-long program that eventually leads into a community. Because the question I now get from guys who have gone through the program is who am I supposed to hang out with now? Who am I supposed to talk to now? I don't drink anymore. I'm not fucking off on weekends. I want to have a conscious conversation. Where are conscious men? I understand the frustration from yeah. women who are like, hey, where are the conscious men? But for us as well, where are our conscious brothers? Do you, uh,
0: uh, I mean, do you have a Facebook group going?
1: No, not yet. Yeah. It's literally that, yeah. that like I've been in, I live on the phone.
0: All right. So and it's coming, you know, obviously you're going to, you're, you're a big part of what I'm doing here with the c what you're doing there. You know, we're,
1: yeah, we're on the same path.
0: Yeah, and so we just have to we just have to make sure that next time you're in LA, you have to come back. Love because we're going to keep checking in. I'd love to. All right, because this is this is not in uh, something that we can just you know heal within this you know ninety minute podcast here. Right. But it's a start, and then with all the other podcasts out there, you guys keep looking, keep searching, keep growing. Yeah. Again, mm-hmm. Uh If you even Google, uh, uh, look up even you type in Trevor. TED Talk or yeah, um, what's the how because I know I found it because we're Facebook friends, but how can people find even the blog posts about you know your 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 month in the Utah wilderness?
1: So on my site, there is a blog tab called Year to Live Project, and the entire wrote for that entire year, I blogged for the entire year, and everything I wrote, everything I went through from day one. Of, you know reaching out to my ex-girlfriend and asking her what the hardest thing was about dating me to you know finishing the year and that leadership course is all under that title okay
0: if you guys for some reason don't remember that i'll organize it into the episode notes okay to try and simplify it because and try and funnel uh everyone to you
1: awesome i appreciate that so
0: again man thank you very much thank I'm you It's of been you. an honor thank you and for those people listening if you want um I definitely appreciate the iTunes reviews.
1: Yeah, do it.
0: Um, Not necessarily defined by them, but I learned by them. I tell Mm you that much. (laughs) Um, And then remember that health is wealth. Mm -hmm. Vulnerability is strength. Mm -hmm. And strength is a choice. You are the master of your faith. You are the captain of your soul. So get up strong and be unconquerable.
1: I love it. I love it. So awesome.